Hardly Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I'm joined by my distinguished colleague, Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hi, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. Well, Maria, we talk a lot about the pro-life generation, young people who are going to end the abortion culture in this country in their lifetime and create a new culture that embraces the gift of life. Today, one of them is our guest. And let me tell you, she is a force to be reckoned with. Lauren Shovelin is a senior at Penn State Main Campus and the former president of their nationally recognized award-winning Students for Life chapter. She also is a graduate of the National Right to Life Academy. Lauren will join us later in the podcast to share with us all her insights as a young person deeply entrenched in and committed to the pro-life movement. In addition, Maria will talk about new pro-life leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives. But first, we will have a bit of pro-life inspiration. And this is a story sure to warm your heart. And I was fortunate enough to have a front row seat to it all. Last week, about 60 people from different corners of our community here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, showed up to throw a baby shower for a young couple they had never even met. The young woman who they were showering had gone through a hard time with her family. When they learned of her pregnancy, they insisted she get an abortion, even though she was 20 weeks pregnant. When she wouldn't do that, she was kicked out of her home and completely cut off by her family. The baby's father also had been mistreated by his family and lost his housing. He too had no family support. This young couple never wanted an abortion and they were able to resist the pressure to abort, but that left them with very little support and no housing. After a while, this young couple found a place to rent. While both have jobs, they were struggling to make ends meet. Word went out that they could use some help, especially with preparing for their baby boy due in January. An email about showering this young couple was sent to church groups who were told that they could pass it along to others. And they did. And before we knew it, people were forwarding money toward baby gifts or purchasing them directly from the baby registry. A family donated their like new crib, a high chair and a diaper bag. A woman who had just become a first time grandmother herself bought a beautiful nightgown and robe for the mother to be to wear in the hospital. A busy mom of four thoughtfully purchased books and a nursing pillow, wanting to support the young mother's desire to breastfeed her baby. Those attending the shower wrote their best parenting tips and advice on index cards for a words of wisdom album to give to the couple. By the end, with support of about 80 people, every item on the baby registry was purchased, along with grocery gift cards and literally thousands of diapers and the couple's rent had been covered for the next three months. This young couple was simply overwhelmed by the outpouring of support. In a thank you note sent to all those who are cheering them on, 
they wrote, we couldn't stop talking about how loving and welcoming everyone was. And it was honestly like a breath of fresh air. We're so glad you could all be a part of our journey with our son. Now, this is a beautiful, but also just another instance of the many times when the pro-life community shows that pro-life is pro-love. No relationship to this couple, no judgment of their circumstances, no conditions or expectations, just a torrent, a deluge, a cascade of enthusiastic support for their courage and their strength in choosing life for their baby boy. It's a witness of love that this couple will never forget and one that one day they themselves may pass on to others in need. Maria. Bonnie, thank you so much for that beautiful, beautiful story and your role in it. The following is from a National Right to Life news release. The Republican Party has officially regained the House of Representatives by securing 218 seats. Losing her role as Speaker of the House, pro-abortion Democrat Nancy Pelosi also steps down as leader of the House Democrats after more than 20 years in the role. Nancy Pelosi has carried water for pro-abortion groups since day one, said Carol Tobias, president of National Right to Life. Pelosi's leadership will go down in history as one that pandered to the abortion industry and engendered extreme pro-abortion policies. Her legacy is a legacy of death and destruction for the most vulnerable among us. Representative Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, has been nominated as Speaker of the House of Representatives. Representative Steve Scalise, Republican of Louisiana, will become Majority Leader. Representative Tom Emmer, a Republican from Minnesota, will become Majority Whip. And Representative Elise Stefanik, a Republican from New York, will become the Chairwoman of the House GOP Conference. In contrast to Nancy Pelosi, each of them has respect for the lives of unborn children. President Biden, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi have done untold harm to American women and their unborn children through their work to secure unlimited abortion, said Tobias. The new leadership in the House will hold the line against pro-abortion policies advanced by the pro-abortion team of President Joe Biden and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Bonnie. Thank you, Maria. Well, I am just delighted to introduce everybody to our guest who Maria and I have been privileged to know. Lauren Shovlin is a senior at Penn State studying English literature and history. She was president of the Students for Life Club her sophomore and junior year, where they won Club of the Year in 2022. She is currently advisor for the Students for Life Club, vice president of the Pregnancy Resource Club, and service chair for the Newman Catholic Club. She hopes to pursue a law degree after undergrad and work full-time in the pro-life movement after school. Welcome, Lauren, to Positively Pro-Life. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Lauren, it is indeed a pleasure and an honor to have you with us today. What inspired you to become involved in Penn State Students for Life? Yeah, so I started to become more pro-life towards the end of my high school career. 
Um, and so when I entered Penn State, I was very excited to get involved in the Catholic community and in the, the pro-life community. But um, when I entered, the Students for Life Club was very dormant. Um, there were only a few members. There was not a lot of energy. And I was really struck by just the lack of vibrancy in the pro-life club. And I think that the pro-life club should be the most vibrant, the most full of life, because it is holistically uh, promoting a culture of life. So uh, my sophomore year, uh, we were kind of at the height of COVID. And I think a lot of people in the pro-life movement go through this, where they're thrown into leadership positions they feel unqualified for. And that was definitely my experience. I wanted to help, but I felt very unqualified as a sophomore. But um, yeah, I ended up reaching out to the Students for Life directors and uh, growing a lot in just learning about the education side of the pro-life movement. Um, and I never looked back from there. Yes, you've never looked back. And, and we are so privileged to have your, your club um, doing such amazing things. Why do you think the group is so successful? Yeah, I ask myself this a lot. I think that I've met a lot of other Students for Life groups, a lot of other pro-life groups, and I've definitely found individuals that are very passionate, but I think Penn State is very unique in that there is really a community um, and a solidarity in that passion where I know if I'm doing a tabling event, if I'm doing Cemetery of the Innocents, if we're doing a demonstration, I know that I will have a lot of people to back me up uh, if I if I contact them, and that's something that I feel very blessed about. I think that I focused a lot on education in the Students for Life group during the meeting. So when we would have weekly meetings, uh, I would really focus on effective education, which is one of the five pillars under Students for Life. It's something that I felt most passionately about, and it's something that I thought was most relevant and that resonated most with students because we ultimately are there to pursue an education. And so I think uniquely, we are just more sensitive to, to hearing about the truth and to pursuing that truth. Um, so a lot of the meetings ended up being equipping students to uh, do different types of apologetics, because if people aren't confident in their pro-life views, they won't be as confident and as willing to enter into conversations. And ultimately, we have a lot of conversations in college. So uh, the different meetings that we would host would include uh, just general apologetics, or it'd be apologetics specifically on Planned Parenthood, or going through the links between abortion and breast cancer, and kind of just equipping students with uh, the truth and the knowledge to um, defend the truth. Well, Lauren, we first met you when Marie and I brought the Truth You Tour to Penn State main campus. And and that was a tour that went around to different college campuses throughout the uh, Commonwealth. And, and we would talk with students about different issues related to, to life. Um, and we had a we had a great meeting at, at Penn. I think that was our biggest one. I think <laughs> you drew the biggest crowd. That was that was just fantastic. But I'm wondering with being so visibly and vocally pro-life on a college campus today. I mean, that, that could bring some, some issues, right? So I'm wondering if there were times when you've met resistance and how you dealt with that. Yes, we definitely met a lot of resistance, especially since the Students for Life Club up, up to that point had been pretty dormant, like I mentioned. And um, so the Planned Parenthood uh, Club and other similar pro-choice, pro-abortion clubs um, were kind of... I'm in. I'm on a lot of their newsletters uh, because I sign up for them, and they they mention just how we came out of nowhere, and and that we don't they don't know where we came from or why all of a sudden we are so vocal, which I take um, 
as that I'm doing something right. Uh, it's definitely an uphill battle being at Penn State. Um, we face a lot of resistance, whether that's at involvement fairs, tabling events, Cemetery of the Innocents, or even just speaking events. But ultimately, I think a lot of the students in my club especially really welcome that. I think any attention is good attention when it comes to the pro-life movement because the truth ultimately does prevail, prevail and people are, um, we were made for truth. And so we really resonate with that. And I think even just talking about abortion is a win for us because it forces people to uh, confront the reality of it or at least to question it. Um, I think we're losing if if it's a silent issue. So yeah, when we did Cemetery of the Innocents, uh, the Planned Parenthood uh, club protested us. They had bullhorns. They actually brought in like real Planned Parenthood workers to provide signs and a lot of materials. Um, like when we had Kristen Hawkins, we had pro-abortion tabling events uh, right outside of the speaker, uh, the speaking um, classroom. But one thing that I really try to um, advocate for within my group is just entering into conversations with those people and always leading with a smile. Um, I think one thing I learned at the National Right to Life Leadership Academy that was really impactful was like, I am the face of, of that baby in the womb. And so what I say and how I conduct myself, that that is the message that is going to be given to the person I'm speaking to. And it's it's so important to remember that when we are entering these conversations that we really have to conduct ourselves uh, with grace and and to allow grace uh, also to the to the people that we are talking to as well. That's an excellent point. So you mentioned the National Right to Life Academy in Washington D.C., which you attended. Our listeners might not be familiar with that, so I'm wondering if you could tell them some details about the academy and and why you chose to attend. Yes. So I actually didn't know about the academy until the deadline had passed. But uh, Mrs. Rogax, uh, the president of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, uh, she lives in Center County, which is uh, where Penn State is. And so I'm familiar with her. And she contacted me suggesting that I apply, even though the deadline had passed. And I wasn't sure I'd be able to go. But I had always been praying for something like the Leadership Academy. And I had no idea that something that straightforward existed. But it essentially just equips individuals, uh, individual students to become successful and effective pro-life leaders. And leaders can look, uh, they can be in different fields. They don't even necessarily have to be in public relations, but it really is equipping students with a holistic education to effectively uh, promote the pro-life movement. So uh, yeah, it was. it's a five-week program. It's very intensive. It's about from nine to five, nine to six every day. And it just goes through every aspect of the pro-life movement from the history of the pro-life movement to the science behind uh, abortion, the science behind fetology, embryology, uh, the philosophy behind the pro-life movement, and it the politics of it. We did a lot also of just public speaking, debate, lobbying. Uh, press conferences. And every aspect, in my opinion, was touched. And striving for excellence was so important in the Leadership Academy. And I felt myself stretch and grow so much. Um, And it was it was a humbling experience. It was it was very intense. But honestly, it's it's one of the best decisions I made. And I feel I feel much more qualified and uh, much more confident in my ability to uh, present that information to others. 
What was the greatest thing you learned at the National Right to Life Academy? Yeah, so there's honestly so much information I learned. It was sometimes I just felt inundated with so much information and it was hard to even consume it all and to be able to effectively regurgitate that. But I felt like the the biggest lessons I learned were the most the most obvious things that are easy to look past um, as someone especially that is so into the facts and into the education and having the correct response. It can be easy sometimes to uh, not always be aware and to uh, be cognizant of the humanity of the person that you're talking to, to remember that they are a real person and it's treating them that their life matters, in my opinion, is one of the greatest lessons I learned because um, it's so easy to look past the woman that you're talking to and look right into her womb and to advocate on behalf of that of that silent child. But so often, so often these women need to know that that they are loved, that their lives matter. And if and if their lives, if they don't believe that their lives matter, then there's no way that we can convince them that another person's life matters. Um, and I think that that was the greatest lesson I learned was just not not to be uh, quick to look past a woman and into her womb, but to to really remember that I have to treat this person in front of me with with grace and with respect and, and to show them that I value their life first. That's just a remarkable point. And I hope that people take that to heart. Now, what advice would you give for sharing the pro-life message with students? Yes, yeah, so I think that it's really important to find common ground. Obviously, depending on uh, what type of student you're, ta- you're talking to, this might look differently. So um, if you're talking to a pro-abortion or uh, a pro-choice student, it, I think it's very important to be able to establish common ground because you can establish that humanity uh, with that person. You can establish some sort of fellowship and uh, you can kind of humanize yourself because it can be it can be very easy uh, through labels to dehumanize others, and oftentimes those in the uh, the pro life community can be dehumanized, or uh, they they oftentimes can be the silent population. And so, to even put a face to someone that is pro life is so important, and and it's something that we need to be, I think, very conscious of. So, I think. Finding common ground is great. So whenever I'm having conversations with uh, pro-abortion students uh, in kind of the hub or the main the main areas at Penn State's campus when we're tabling, um, I will start off by just saying, yes, I agree with you that there are problems socially, whether that is with the child care programs right now or foster care. I'll I'll talk about how I work with foster care kids and I I know that what they go through is is horrible and that there needs to be reform. And so establishing that understanding is so important because oftentimes they might they will probably leave uh, still being pro-abortion, but they will have a different perspective of some people in the pro-life community. And you don't know how that will set up an, a future conversation with another pro-lifer. So even if you are that initial person to just break a stereotype, I think that ultimately, like that's playing a, a longer game, and that's still planting a seed um, for someone in the future to help um, help that grow and help that prosper. Um, when there was a there was a woman who was tabling outside of our Kristen Hawkins event, and she was wearing a shirt that said "Abortion Saves Lives," 
And I've never seen a shirt like that. I've never heard of that. I, I like re- reread it because I assumed it said adoption, but it said abortion and I, I was flabbergasted. And so I just went up to her and I just said, tell me about your shirt. I, asked, I just asked her to explain to me why she thought that. Um, and I think it's also so important to give them time to speak because so often, especially in this political atmosphere, it's easy to just stand there and wait for them to stop speaking so you can speak because I already know what they're going to say and I already know how to respond. But sometimes when you're overly trained, it can come off as disingenuous. So it's really important to treat people as individuals who individually are coming to these conclusions for a variety of different reasons and allowing this older woman time to just speak about why you know, her friends had abortions and why she thought this was beneficial for them. I think A, showed her that I genuinely cared about her opinion and B, showed that I genuinely was interested in having a conversation, which are two things that I think are really hard to come by, uh, especially in this political climate. Um, I think it's really important also to uh, just show that you don't have to that you don't have to agree on everything in order to be respectful and that um yeah that d- having differing opinions doesn't mean that you have to be disrespectful or it doesn't mean that like someone is less valuable because of that and i think that that can be easy to do especially when people make um illogical or unreasonable arguments on the pro abortion side it can be easy to be dismissive of them but we have to remember that if we're being pro life that doesn't mean just advocating for one subset of the human population, but that means actually valuing every every uh, every person within in the in the human population. So that means like still valuing their life even when they treat you poorly. Um, for pro life uh, students, just in general, I think it's really great to use the the local pro life leaders that you have in your community. That's something that I really focused on at Penn State, uh, inviting both of you to come speak. Uh, inviting Mrs. Rogax to come speak and re- inviting someone, you know, from the the local parish to come speak who just had an interesting story uh, as to why they were pro-life. Uh, these are really unique stories. And especially for college students, it is really exciting when an adult gets to come speak, in my opinion, especially in a college town when you don't see many adults. Uh, everyone has their own story and everyone has their own unique perspective um, as to why they became pro-life. I wasn't originally pro-life. So everyone has a story and, and all of that is really, um, it really resonates with people. It shares, it sheds humanity on, on the pro-life movement. And it really shows that, um, this is, this is something common, common to every person and that the value of life is something that we all share. So I think really using those resources, um, that you have, I, I found it very helpful to use the resources that the Students for Life uh, of America provided for me. So I did an effective education, kind of intensive virtual program that really taught me a lot of the basics that I felt very helpful. Uh, they do fellowships. So if if you are in a Students for Life club, applying for those fellowships, I think are very important because oftentimes I I I can grasp too hard to take control of the of the group because I wanted to to look a certain way or to accomplish certain things. And I have very high expectations for the club. But it's so important to remember that 
encouraging other students to apply for these fellowships, encouraging these other students to take on responsibility is really the best way and the only way that they can be equipped to have these conversations because you will never be fully equipped to have these conversations prior to having them. It's really through trial and error that you start to become comfortable and just being uh, just being comfortable with recognizing that you're not going to get it right every time. And that's okay. Uh, it really is just a, a pursuit of truth and it's just a conversation. It's not some big speech, uh, but just being calm because we have the truth on our side. We don't need some random statistic to back up what we say because the value of life is something that doesn't doesn't need to be defended with the statistic you find on Google or something that's peer reviewed. It's something that's in our hearts and it's something that we inherently know. Um, and so, yeah, I think with that, it's also so important to remember that people can be different leaders in the pro-life community in different ways. So I have a lot of friends who are very pro-life, but they they feel unqualified to um, have one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with pro-abortion people, or they feel intimidated by that. And that's really valid but they are great working at the pregnancy resource clinic. They love to make meals for the clients there. They make Thanksgiving cards. We just deliver Thanksgiving cards to the, to the PRC. And there are so many ways for everyone to become involved. Uh, there are, there are those like myself that are uh, more active um, with the club, but there's also those that aren't as active, but they have one or two people that they will really invest in and, and really share their pro-life beliefs with. And, and all of that is so good. And all of that um, is needed. And I think just not pressuring yourself to be something that you're not, not pressuring yourself to fit into a mold of someone that is like up in the front, like leading a march. It's not, everyone has their place because everyone has life. And so we all have our own ways that we um, will promote that, that value of life. So I guess I would just say to um, just be easy on yourself and just to uh, reflect on where you feel that you're being called to to enter and what conversations you're being called to enter um, and to promote that that pro-life message. So much wisdom, Lauren. We have just about a minute and a half left, and I'm wondering if you could share with us your plans for the future and um, how that will look in terms of pro-life activism. Yeah, so uh, I am in my senior year studying English literature and history, and I enjoy that so much. Um, I plan on attending law school after my undergraduate degree, and I hope to practice constitutional law. Um, so that's defending the First Amendment uh, primarily. Um, and I, I would so love to work full time in the pro-life community. I think that uh, I always prayed for so long that I would find something that I'm passionate about. I came in uh, to college undeclared and nothing really uh, resonated with me, but I, I truly view the pro-life belief that I have as such a blessing. And I just would absolutely love to, to work full-time in the movement and to um, be a pro-life leader and someone that can work with a lot of these different groups to pass legislation. We learned in the National Right to Life that it, it truly is through legislation that lives are saved and, and legislation also can change culture. So they go, culture and legislation go hand in hand, but legislation is so important. Um, and I, I would really love to be a part of that. That's so wonderful. Lauren Shovlin, NRL Academy graduate. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much again. I so appreciate the opportunity to speak. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.